on the TV, on the radio, and even social media, everyone has become a debater. Hot heads, hot takes, and lots of hot air are now the norm. But only one can be the master debater. This is Master Debaters from News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. And I'm Dennis Foley. Welcome to Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. Joining us this week, our first debater is a columnist who can be read each day in the Washington Post and WashingtonPost.com, Alexander Petri. Hey! Hey! Our next debater can be heard on the Dana Cortez Show on many top music stations like Energy 94.1 in San Antonio and Power 98.3 in Phoenix, DJ Automatic. Hey, DJ Automatic. Hey. And our third debater is everywhere on the internet and can be followed on Twitter at Broderick. Please welcome freelance journalist Ryan Broderick. Hey. Howdy. Now, they will all be presenting arguments in an effort to try to win over our judge, who this week is Sam from Dallas. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Now, Sam's job is going to be to analyze and critique each response our contestants present uh, to questions that I give them throughout the show. And along with asking the questions, I'm the show's referee. So if I hear something that maybe I don't like or merits a penalty, you'll hear this whistle. Now, before we get started, let's give our contestants an opportunity to ask the judge a question to get to know him a little bit better. So, uh, Alexander, you got any questions for Sam? Uh, Sam, are there any favorite code words that I could include in my answers to score more highly that you love? <laughs> Anytime you can sneak in whiskey or Jameson and anything, it's always bonus points. Oh, right. Mm, whiskey. <laughs> Automatic, any questions for uh, Sam or Judge? All right, Sam, you're stuck on a, on a, on a deserted island, and there's only one album that you can listen to. Which one's that going to be? Alter Bridge Blackbird. All right. And Ryan, do you have a question for a judge? Yeah, look, let's 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 put this all on the table, all right? What's your Venmo? How do I get on your good side? Let's do this, all right? I'm here to win. Help me, okay? I I I'm glad somebody's already offering bribes. I'm, I'm willing to take <laughs> Opening arguments on Master Debaters. Yes, it's time for opening arguments in this segment. I'll give each combatant one question, and that combatant will answer the question, and our judge, Sam, will give them a score between 0 and 10 points. They'll have 30 seconds for their argument, and a buzzer will let them know when their time is up. We're going to start with Alexandra. COVID-19 nightmares. A new European study confirms they're a thing. The Finnish researchers gathered data from 4,000 people early in the lockdowns. Nearly 800 of them also supplied information about the content of their dreams. From that, they can tell us that the coronavirus now figures in more than half of our nightmares. Common themes include failures in social distancing, COVID contagion, issues with personal protective equipment, and apocalyptic pandemic-related scenarios. So if you've been having COVID nightmares, at least you know you're not alone. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. So, Alexandra, are COVID-19 nightmares worse than regular nightmares? 30 seconds. I mean, I I think this one is pretty obvious on its face. Of course they're worse. They're all the fun of uh, regular nightmares, at least in my experience, plus an added degree of reality 
and sort of hyper nerves because usually you have a nightmare where you're being chased by like your math teacher and you've forgotten your homework and your teeth are falling out. But this time, it's, you're also nervous about the fact that the other people taking the test you haven't studied for are within six feet of you. That's one bonus concern sleeping you doesn't need and neither does awake you need it. But you know, this is the world we're living in. So yeah, I think they're worth. Sam, how many points do you want to give out? Zero to 10. I want to go with a six. All right, next question. We're all aware of the porcelain throne. Well, what about a titanium throne? NASA is sending its first new space potty into space for the first time in decades. It's going to the International Space Station for a, well, not so dry run before flying to the moon. This $23 million piece of plumbing is special because it's compact, weighs about 100 pounds, and it's better suited for women. Astronauts will try to to use this new toilet before it becomes available for what the Associated Press calls regular business. So a $23 million toilet, <laughs> something you'd like to try, or is it too fancy? Automatic, you get 30 seconds. I for sure want to try a $23 million toilet. Do you know what kind of talking piece that is with any person that you could come across? You can say, I literally sat down on a $23 million toilet and dropped something off for free and the other thing is i feel like if you have a titanium toilet it's going to be cleaner it's going to be easier to clean uh, easier to use and the other thing is it's very it's durable it's more durable that's for sure uh and that's my time i guess <laughs> sam zero to ten how many points you want to give that argument i'm also going to give this one a six all right Next question, a group of parrots in Britain with language more colorful than their plumage are heading back out on display after a timeout for bad behavior. Say hello. Oh. Hello. Oh. Now that's how a well-behaved parrot should sound. <laughs> but instead of benign greetings, five African gray parrots at the Lincolnshire Wildlife Center joined an existing colony of 200 birds with filthy mouths and an unfortunate pension for telling visitors to F off but a bit more forcefully. The zoo's chief executive, Steve Nichols, says none of the visitors complained and most found it funny. So did the parrots, <laughs> who relished the vulgarity. It is hoped that after their time out, they'll be better behaved. Allison Keyes, CBS News. So, uh, Ryan, should more zoos have parrots that swear at you? 30 seconds. Yeah, I think that all animals should be able to swear at human beings. Look, like... We're at the like crisis of the existential existence of humanity right now with climate change. I think the least we can do is give animals the ability to swear at us, especially ones that are in zoos. And look, I don't like birds. I find them arrogant, but I do find them more relatable if they're able to swear. And I think that's what, how you make learning about animals sexy again. Birds being able to swear at you. It's beautiful and very human, actually. Um, also, uh, parrots are funny looking. They're like... That's all I got. <laughs> Sam, zero to 10. How many points do you want to give that? I just don't know if learning about animals can be sexy. So I'm going to go with a five. All right. Well, coming up, we're going to debate debates on a debate show. We'll debate that and more next on Master Debaters from KTSA. is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. And welcome back. We have Alexandra Petri 
DJ Automatic and Ryan Braddock this week, competing to convince our judge, Sam, that their argument is the best argument. And if you want to be a judge on a future edition of Master Debaters, head over to our website, ktsa.com slash Master Debaters, and enter to be the next person to decide who is the Master Debater. Well, let's keep this debate going. For argument's sake, on Master Debaters. Now, in this segment, I will give all three contestants the same question. They will each take a turn presenting their argument on that question. After they all take their 30 seconds to respond, our judge will then give them each anywhere from 0 to 10 points for their responses. The first question on this show called Master Debaters. Well, you all debate. It's called The show is called Master Debaters, and one of you will be crowned the Master Debater. But some other people thought it was a good idea to have their own debate this week. Here's what CNN's Jake Tapper and Dana Bash thought about that spectacle between President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. I can tell you one thing for sure. The American people lost tonight because that was horrific. You just took the words out of my mouth. Um, You used some high-minded language. I'm just going to say it like it is. That was a show. So do you agree that it was a shit show or do you enjoy that past debate. We're going to start with Alexandra, 30 seconds. I'm going to come out strong and, and agree that it was a bleep show. Are we on the air? Can I say that? Oh boy, I should have consulted before I determined this. But I think fundamentally, it, it, it would be unfair to call it a garbage fire because those at least get rid of garbage and shed light. And this was just a nightmare from a viewer's perspective because you had two people talking in unison and like president of the United States failing to denounce white supremacy. It seems sort of like a low point in the debating. Even when that come. Automatic, 30 seconds. First things first, that was the most embarrassing thing that America's done in the, in the past month. You know, Trump's been president for the past, you know, three years and some change, so that's been embarrassing, but that was the, that was the high point of embarrassment. The next thing was, it was scary, because he wouldn't denounce uh, white supremacy, and he's actually calling on, calling on people called the Proud Boys. I spend a lot of time in Portland. They're they're a serious group. Another thing is that I felt like it might have set our country back at least a couple of years. Trump is not doing us any favors, and we should not do that debate again. And 30 seconds for Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was disgusting. I thought it was a completely insane thing to watch. It wasn't really a debate. And it was frustrating because I think Biden is still acting like it's 2016 and he's trying to, like, say policy stuff while Trump's screaming at him. And it was it was embarrassing for everybody. I think the only optimistic thing I can even say about the fact that it happened is that Trump was so repulsive on TV that possibly he might have changed some people's minds about him. And they might have said, like, wow, I don't really want to be on this guy's team because this man is literally bullying a guy about his dead son on live TV. So, uh, Sam, what do you think about that argument? Which do I start with? Uh, anyone. They all get points. Which one do you want to start with? I mean, I really feel like everybody made the same valid points right off the bat. And so I, I kind of feel like everybody deserves an eight all across the board. All right. Our next question. There will be fans of the stands for two of baseball Baseball's a postseason series. I'm Peter King. Three American League teams are already on their way to the next playoff round. And the Rays win it. They advance 
to the division series. Tampa Bay will meet the New York Yankees while the Houston Astros will learn their next opponent today. The early rounds are being played with no fans in the stands, but if these teams go to the World Series, they'll play in front of about 11,000 people at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. MLB says it'll do the same for the National League Championship Series to be played there, all with strict COVID-19 safety restrictions. Peter King, CBS News. So whether it's baseball, football, concert, whatever, what event is the first thing that is a must-attend event post-pandemic? 30 seconds, automatic starts. The first thing I'm going to do post-pandemic is I'm definitely going to a concert. Hopefully to DJ it because I miss being in front of crowds. I miss seeing people face-to-face. I miss the interaction. I miss the, you know, the hypeness. I, I miss the feeling of it. Um, I do feel like that we're going to have, you know, uh, a lot of precautions are going to be taken during this time. But I feel like the energy you get at a live concert can't be matched anywhere. And I feel it's necessary in the next, hopefully next year. Ryan, 30 seconds. Uh, well, I'm going to say live concert, but I'm going to say uh, specifically the My Chemical Romance reunion tour, which they had scheduled for 2020. Uh, they had announced it to large fanfare. It was very exciting for me. I wanted to sort of live out uh, my fantasy of seeing them live that I've had since I was about 15 years old. The coronavirus derailed that whole thing. I want that experience. I want to dress up like a gothic marching band and watch them play. Other than that, the only thing I would really do is just like sit at a dive bar for like eight hours. That's like my first coronavirus plan is just that. And Alexandra, 30 seconds. I have to say coronavirus has made me nostalgic for things I didn't enjoy doing in the first place. I'd really like to go to a very crowded bar where there's a huge line for the restroom and you have to befriend everyone else in the line because the line is so long and people are spilling stuff on you and you have to yell to make yourself heard and the alcohol costs way too much money. I'm like nostalgic for the experience of being inconvenienced by a crowd of people. So anywhere I can do that, whether it's a baseball game or not, but I have to say, I think they're missing an opportunity. I wish they would only have just one fan for each side. This is not my idea, but I agree with it so strongly. Just one per and a yell. That would be ideal for me. All right, Sam, how many points are you giving out? Out of how many do I give each? Out of 10. Zero to 20? Yeah, 10. Uh, zero to 10, okay. yeah. All right, so I think I think automatic really hits uh, a lot on what he was saying when it comes to people just wanting that that concert vibe and, and the passion and just kind of everybody everybody feels when they get into there. So I really want to give automatic an eight out of eight out of ten, and then uh, I think it, you know everybody else made great comments because everybody's talking about what they want to do and where they want to get at. So I think a seven point five each is good. All right. Next topic, it turns out that aging baby boomers are better drivers than they were expected to be. This contradicts the long-held worry that aging baby boomers would mean more crashes. Institute President David Harkey says vehicles are getting safer and people are aging better. There's no doubt that older adults are healthier today. Uh, than perhaps they've they've ever been. Harkey, however, remains concerned that the crash rate could go up as more boomers hit their 80s. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News, Detroit. So we're start with Ryan. Are older drivers better drivers than older drivers used to be? 30 seconds. Look, they might be better drivers than they used to be, but look at what they're doing in every other aspect of life and society. 
I am so sick of them. I want them to not, to go away. I don't want them on the roads. Even if they're not going to crash into me, I'm, I guarantee you baby boomers are going to find some other horrible, insane way to use their car to make everyone else miserable. I'm sick of it. They don't want to wear masks. They want to drive really fast. They think that they're not old, but they're super old. And we're all tired of it. I want to go back outside. We would have been done with this six months ago. But two, they're too busy tooling around down in their convertibles. And they, ah! All right, Alexandra, 30 seconds. I'm basically in agreement with Ryan. The baby boomers were a generation defined by the car. And what has the car given us? I'm exhausted by them. They're, the sky is full of chaos and carbon, and we are not a happier people. Furthermore, all these news stories just saying that boomers are doing better than you'd expect. I expect very little. You don't have to impress me, but <laughs> it's a very low bar that they're crossing here. And I feel like if they're driving to yell at us about eating our avocado toast, they should just stay put and stand away. That's how I feel about the boomers, and I don't care who knows it. And 30 seconds for automatic. <laughs> I don't think baby boomers should be driving, period, because one, they're entitled. We all know that. They all feel like anything that they say or do is, is their God-given right. The other thing is they're loud. They're crass. They find millennials at fault for anything. So if you did have an accident with, with them, they would find a way to blame it on you and how you do live your life. And the other thing is, is boomers probably just need to sit down and start taking Ubers because that's the way that they need to travel from here on out because they're probably going to end up ruining the highway system for us because they ruined America for us. So a boomer Uber, boomer Uber, Sam boomer. points. I'm thinking I really like Ryan coming out out of the gate, just like really throwing the boomers under the bus. So I'm going to go with a nine for him. And I think both Alexander and automatic really kind of built upon it. And so I want to give eights to both of them too. All right, next question. Amazon has launched a bunch of new and updated products, including a feature in vehicles to auto-record police stops. It also revealed a new home security camera that will fly around your house. Amazon owns Ring, and Ring's new security camera will take flight. It actually will. The company claims it's always home cam will be a drone that will fly around inside your home to let you see your entire house on your phone if you're not home. And after it's done flying around showing you your home, it'll return to its base to automatically charge its battery. Amazon says it will cost around 250 bucks. Ring says it could be used to check to make sure you've turned off your stove or locked the door. Ring also revealing a sensor for your mailbox to let you know if anybody has tampered with your mail. Alex Stone, ABC News. So we're start with Alexandra. What crazy things would you do with a flying security camera in your house? I would never under any circumstances have a flying security camera in my house. And although uh, Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, uh, the uh, disclaimer I feel like compelled to include, I'm terrified by all these innovations. I don't want to have an Alexa in the house because Alexa, if you murder someone, she'll know, which I realize doesn't make my husband very comfortable. That's the rationale that I give for saying we shouldn't have all these devices recording us. But I say better safe than sorry. If you want to be able to, you know, be in the privacy of your own house, a Hannibal Lecter, you should be entitled to do that. Automatic, 30 seconds. Well, first of all, I would never put a camera inside my house that flies around because one, Amazon has enough money already. They're the biggest, one of the biggest companies in the world. And that, uh, I feel like it's another way that Amazon would watch you. It's another way that Amazon's going to figure out everything you're doing and use it to sell your data. And basically, it's another way for Amazon and big business just to control your life. 
all these are conspiracy theories, but I do feel like they are would hold true if we had something re recording us in our own homes. And Ryan, 30 seconds. All right, look, uh, let's just presuppose that I have to have this horrible flying drone ru uh, running around my house. If that's the case, I'm going to spend all of my waking energy being so disgusting and insane looking in front of this camera that Jeff Bezos himself has to pull it out of my home. I will be so repulsive that Amazon's AI will literally self-destruct. I will spend all of my energy to make sure that I am unsurveillable because of how horrible I choose to live in front of this horrible camera. All right, Sam, how many points do you want to give out? Well, I think uh, Alexandra both, while going against Amazon and acknowledging that they own the Washington Post with where she works, I have to give her a nine on that. Very bold. I, I like the answer she gave as well. I think Ryan, um, I love the fact that he would try to discuss them at the same time, but knowing I work, I work in advertising and I know the kind of information you're, you're just going to get more disgusting ads if you keep doing that. Um, so I'm going to give you <laughs> an eight. I'm going to give Alexandra a nine. I think Automatic made some good points, but I just, I wouldn't put him at a seven for now. All right, next topic. About a quarter of U.S. adults say they get their news by watching YouTube videos. More than a quarter of Americans say they get their news from YouTube. That's according to a new report from Pew Research, and most don't see a problem with it, although some did express moderate concern about misinformation or political bias. And about a fifth of people polled say they get their news from independent channels outside of the traditional networks. That's correspondent Diane King-Hall. Is it good news, bad news that so many people get their news from YouTube? Automatic 30 seconds. Uh, it's horrible news. Yeah, most of the time, the independent channels, they just simply aren't true. They're incredibly biased. They, want, they have, a, they have a, a point that they're trying to make, and they can't see anything besides that. I know firsthand that this is horrible because my mother is a product of YouTube news. She likes to watch this and then come out and discuss everything that she learned that was fake over it. And I have to every day tell her, mom, that's not true. So anything, any kind of YouTube news that's not coming from a reputable news source is a horrible idea. Ryan, 30 seconds. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, it's really, really bad, um, especially because like, even if you try to watch mainstream news, it's just going to start suggesting you crazier and crazier stuff. And like, you really can't trust YouTube every time they try to fix it because they end up just creating a whole other problem that they have to fix afterwards, right? But I also think that like, people who put the news out have to start realizing that like people are going to places like YouTube and they have to make it easier for people to find their stuff. Not everyone has a TV anymore or has cable. And like, consumers are going that direction, so it's kind of up to us to like take it to where they are too. And Alexandra, 30 seconds. I agree. Don't forget to watch the Washington Post YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm not being promoted by my employer to do this. Uh, no, but I also think I watch YouTube videos. And would you trust me to give you a haircut based on watching YouTube? Absolutely not. Why should I take my news about the world from people who are going to make my husband look like a green bean? Um, I just think fundamentally it's an unsound source of information. It's good for some things like you can listen to music without paying the artist and that i guess is bad now that i'm saying it out loud no maybe it's not good for anything and it's furthermore bad for news because it radicalizes you sam how many points do you want to give out for those arguments well as an avid youtube watcher for news on certain channels i feel personally attacked however no the people everybody made really good points because there is a lot of danger that comes from it and you have to find the reputable sources you have to obviously source what you're looking for but this is obviously the platform 
that people are going to. And I think Ryan acknowledged that, that this is definitely a way things are moving. So I want to give him an A, and then I want to give Alexander an automatic seven. All right. I get my news from memes. How about that? <laughs> what's old is, yeah, what's old is new again for at-home movie watchers. The number one movie on Netflix is nine years old. Are you excited for tomorrow? Is tomorrow Saturday? No, it's the first day of school. Yeah, I'm not going to go to that. Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz is currently the most watched film streaming on the platform. It made more than $216 million at the global box office and also features Diaz X, Justin Timberlake, as well as SNL's Molly Shannon and Modern Family's Eric Stone Street. Another throwback hit during the pandemic, Reese Witherspoon's 2010 rom-com, How Do You Know? Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. So are you buying that Bad Teacher is the hot streaming movie right now? We're going to start with Ryan, 30 seconds. I mean, sure, whatever. Like, everyone's run out of stuff to do. Of course, we're all going to go on Netflix and watch a movie that's nine years old. But I also think that, like, Netflix's metrics are completely broken and they just lie about stuff and have been, like, proven to lie about stuff. But, like, yeah, I mean, we're all cooped up in our house and we just do random stuff. We all got obsessed with a documentary about a guy who, like, killed a bunch of uh, tigers several months ago. It just keeps happening. Adam Sandler had the most watched movie of all time on Netflix. It's not like Netflix audiences are even particularly discerning about what they're watching. You just sort of put it on and you do other stuff, you know? Alexander, 30 seconds. Yeah, I feel like it's like saying that that backdrop picture of like a mountain is the most loved image of all time. It's sort of like a meaningless <laughs> thing. It sort of comes on. But that being said, I didn't see Bad Teacher in theaters first, the first time it came around. And I'm somebody who saw a lot of bad movies in theaters. I saw This Means War with Reese Witherspoon or in theaters also, and that was bad. That was a February release. I think these days, it, it really shows you how far we scraped the barrel that people are watching How Do You Know and Bad Teacher. Although I miss Cameron Diaz. I'm glad people are seeing her. What more could be made? Automatic, 30 seconds. There's no way that Bad Teacher is the most watched show on Netflix. For one, Cameron Diaz, I'm sorry to say this, you're washed up. Uh, number two, Justin Timberlake hasn't had a hit or a hit movie in a very long time, so I can't see people searching for it. The only you know, reasonable idea I could see why this might have been watched over and over is people fell asleep during it. Um, the other thing is, is people don't come to Netflix for Oscar-worthy content. They come there for, for, for me, I go there for documentaries and to watch The Office. And I did hear, uh, who's name, who was that on the, from The Office in there? Phyllis. Sam. Yes. Points time. How many points would you give out for those arguments? Well, I think Alexander and Automatic both made a lot of good points, and I'm going to give them eighth on this. But Ryan, I think, takes the case, bringing up both the Adam Sandler uh, fact that he's like one of the most watched people on Netflix, as well as the Tiger King phenomena that happened this year. It's just absolutely ridiculous, but I admit I took place in. And so I'm going to give him a nine. All right. Well, our debaters have things that they want to talk about. Let's hear what they have to say and what their competitors think about it next on Master Debaters from KTSA. This is Master Debaters from 550 KTSA and FM 1071. I'm Dennis Foley. Joining us this week is Alexandra Petri, DJ Automatic, and Ryan Broderick, who are all working to coerce, convince, win over our judge, Sam, to give them more points than their fellow competitors. Let's keep this debate going. 
State your case on Master Debaters. So our competitors before the show came in with a topic that they wanted to talk about, a case they want to present to our judge. They will get 90 seconds to do so. During those 90 seconds, if the other combatants wish to challenge, they will get 45 seconds each to present their case after the original case is being done presented. Now, after all those challenges, the original presenter will get their own 45 seconds to address the challengers. Now, if they change the topic from what they had sent to their competitors, I will assess an automatic five-point penalty. There's also a bigger point pile at stake here. Our judge can now give up to 20 points at the end of each topic, or he could take away up to 20 points from everyone, whether they challenge or even if they choose to stay quiet. So right now, our points leader is Ryan, so you get to go first with your 90 seconds. Okay, so uh, this is a little controversial, but I think it's time we all acknowledge that pumpkin spice lattes and pumpkin spice food in general is good. You don't have to enjoy it ironically. It's nice. It's refreshing. It uh, signals that the season has started, that autumn is here. I like the pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks. I like it from Dunkin' Donuts. I actually prefer it from Dunkin' Donuts if it's between you and me. But it's nice because it, it it's not too sweet. It goes well with the coffee. And I'm a black coffee drinker, you know? Like, I don't like fancy coffee. Sorry, I'm done. Is that, is that done or no? No, okay, sorry. Uh, yes, it's really good. I think uh, pumpkin spice cookies are good. I think pumpkin spice in general is nice. And also, like, we have nothing else anymore, you know? This is all we've got. And it's like... Let us enjoy a nice, sweet autumnal beverage and go, you know, pretend like we can go outside, but we can't this year. So it's this is the year. We all just need to let it go because we do this every year. And only, it's almost more annoying than getting mad about the pumpkin spice lattes is the people getting mad about it. You know what I mean? It's like, this is so tiresome. We can just let it go. Why can't we just let it go and admit that sometimes it's nice to have a delightful flavored latte? It's it's not hurting anybody, you know? It's not problematic. It's not even that expensive, actually. I think it's like a dollar more or something. And it's not really that much bad. Worse for you, I think. It's a little sugary. But, like, come on. Come on, live a little. Alexandra, you get to challenge first. 45 seconds. Ryan, I have to say I'm absolutely in accord with you on the fact that pumpkin spice is one of the few nice things we have. Just let us have this. However, it pains me to have to argue against you because I think it's gone too far. I would have said yes to pumpkin spice in my coffee, yes to pumpkin spice in my muffins, but it has tried to penetrate Kraft mac and cheese. And that is a bridge where we cannot let it go. <laughs> it's kind of addition to of things like pumpkin spice to things like macaroni and cheese. It wasn't asking for anything like this to come along that are just so emblematic of the decline of civilization that we're facing right now. And I think it, it overreached and it ought to be punished for that overreach. Hmm. Hmm. Automatic, your 45-second challenge. All right. First of all, let me state from jump, I hate pumpkin spice, and I hate pumpkin spice lattes with every sense of my being. They smell bad. No one wants to smell your latte. Your candle smells bad. And even your pumpkin spice marijuana smells bad. Yes, that is a thing now. You have macaroni and cheese and now pumpkin spice marijuana. Who wants pumpkin spice marijuana? And of course, they've got it in Denver. Uh, you, go figure. Another reason why I hate pumpkin spice, spice lattes. It's basically diabetes in a cup. 
America's fat enough. You're on the wrong side of the fight here. And my last reason I would have to say is do you want to be seen as a basic man or a basic woman? Well, it's guaranteed that if you walk up to Big Bucks Coffee with that first, you know, with and ask for that cup. Brian, 45-second rebuttal to everyone. Yeah, I don't mind being basic. I also think if I can put on my serious hat for just a quick second, a lot of the pumpkin spice stuff is just wrapped up in misogyny. Taking that off again to say, I don't mind being basic because I wear sweatpants every single day because we live in a nightmare world and we don't have anything to do. And I liked pumpkin spice before the world fell apart, but now it's like, let me have it. And as far as the Kraft macaroni and cheese with pumpkin spice goes, I have had savory pumpkin dishes. It's not uncommon in parts of uh, Southeast Asia. And I think you can definitely have a, uh, a savory pumpkin dish. It doesn't have to be sweet. I don't think that... That's probably what the mac and cheese tastes like. But at the same time, it doesn't matter because nothing matters anymore. And we can just let it go and just eat pumpkin spice. Sam, um, how many points would you give out? You could give up to 20 or take away up to 20 from each of them. So I give everybody points on this. Yep. All right. So I think Ryan coming out and first off as pumpkin spice and pumpkin spice lattes are considered the uh, basic white girl drink. I think very bold as a guy to come out and say that you love it and you used to buy it. You didn't take anything you went for. I really want to give you a 17. Um, Alexander really made a great point in the fact that it is overblown and you can't be putting pumpkin spice in Kraft macaroni and cheese. However, the fact is it's kind of like, you know, Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. If you make it, there are going to be people that are going to buy it. So you can't blame the companies for going ahead and do that. I'm going to give her a 15 on that. And then Automatic made great points too and really fought into it. So I'm going to give him a 16 on it. All right, next up, Alexandra, you get your 90-second presentation. Friends, I'd like to address you on the subject of balls. For too long, America has been under the iron thumb of those inflatable stability ball things that they make you keep at your desk. My snide co-workers have mocked me for sitting in a normal chair like a normal person. They haven't directly mocked me, but I've assumed that from their facial expressions. But it turns out the CDC and other scientists have proven that I was right and they were wrong. You can sit in a darn chair. The ball is doing you no good. The CDC said, and this is from the CDC back in the day before they were terrified towering under a desk about what the president might say. But apparently that ball can leap with spinal shrinkage. The ball can cause all kinds of trouble for you. And you think it's helping your abs work out? It's not. At best, it burns 30 calories a day, which is like less than... It's, it's not even relevant when you come to the concept of a pumpkin spice latte consumption. There's no benefit to the ball. You just look like a goof, but you're sitting there feeling all high and mighty on top of your ball. And I think that, frankly, on a show like Master Debaters, where also in order to Google this and have my arguments marshaled, I had to Google balls are bad and now my search history is ruined. So just as a pity thing, I, I would argue that it's very important that we come out strongly against those Dern balls. They've had their tyranny long enough and I'm glad that we can see them out now. And furthermore, this is America and America is not built on inflatable balls. America is built on eagles, flags, and a constant bending of the curve toward justice, but not so much if it comes the ball. All right, uh, automatic I mean, forty-five second challenge. What do you think about that? Uh, what do you have to say about that argument? All right, so I have a couple questions. Do you run a forty-yard dash in four point four seconds? Probably not. Is your vertical more than forty inches? No. Can you shed tackles for men the size of small mountains? I guarantee you can. Do you know who can though? Alvin Kamara. 
the running back for the New Orleans Saints, and he uses a balance ball and is one of the best running backs in the NFL and attributes all of his success to the and balance and agility to the actual ball that you hate. Um, another thing I was thinking about that ball, uh, social distancing. It can be used as a means to protect yourself. In a COVID world where six-week social distancing is a, is a must and people tend to break barriers, you can use that ball as a defense and they will know from there on out that that six-week is mandatory when they're in your face. All right, Ryan, 45-second challenge. Yeah, I'm just going to open up and say they're fun. They're fun to sit on. You ever sit on one? They're, they're kind of squishy. You can roll around a little bit while you work. Um, I would rank them probably third in terms of non-chair uh, things to sit on or stand on at the office. Once a treadmill desk once, that was too much. I got a little dizzy when I got off of it. But the ball, it's fun because, like, I definitely have untreated adult ADHD and like being able to like fiddle and roll around or kind of like, you know, distract myself while I'm working. That's nice. And my spine is already junk. Like it's, it's a junk spine. Uh, I don't really take care of it. I slouch uh, cause I'm a tall man and it's very hard for me to sit up straight anyway. So when I have some fun with it and roll around on my bouncy ball. All right, Alexandra, 45 seconds to address the challengers. Oh, first off, I, no, you're right. You identified the truth here. I am not Alvin Camaro. I, I don't have a vertical <laughs> or any of those things. And you know what? I shouldn't be forced to be. Frankly, the fact that you're holding us desk drones to the level of Alvin Camaro speaks volumes about the expectations of you ball people and frankly ought not to be tolerated. Secondly, the distance thing. I hope we're not in the office sitting on these darn balls in the first place. I think it's only the fact that we're not there having to get our fiddling in, as Ryan said, in a cubicle or open plan space, as the case may be, that's allowing us to finally make, break free of their tyranny. We're not in the office anymore. We don't have to act like we are. We can sit down, we can stand up, but hopefully not at a standing desk. And it, we're beyond them now. All right, Sam, how many points do you want to give out for those arguments? Well, to Alexandra, I am also a fellow anti-ball sitter. So I completely agree with all of your arguments, and I really thought you defended the point. I love bringing up the CDC um, in it as well. So I'm going to give you a 19 on this one. Automatic, I, I understood your arguments and stuff, and I really got a good chuckle out of thinking, imagining myself throwing the ball at somebody or using it as a defense mechanism to keep people six feet away. I'd rather use it for many reasons for that. Um, so I'm going to give you a 17 on that. And Ryan, I just can't defend sitting on the ball for fun reasons because I've done it before, and it's not that fun. So I'm going to give you a 16 on this. Oh, rats. All right, next argument, 90-second argument from DJ Automatic. All right, here are my reasons why millennials should move back in home with their parents and not feel any shame. It's time to recoup, regroup, and rethink that future. Maybe last year I would have been against this, but we're living in a COVID world. And in a COVID world, the first thing you want to do, you want to recoup your losses. You may have lost a job. You may have lost a place to live. You may even have lost hope. Where are you going to begin recouping all? Where are you going to be, re, begin, re, begin recouping them all this at Mama's house? Once you recoup, it's time to regroup, and it's time to get that life back together. It's time to get back on track. What better place to do that, Mama's house? And finally, it's time to rethink your future. Who can help you do that better than Mom and Dad? They are the original people that helped you come up with the original plan. So don't feel guilty about living with your parents, millennials. It's necessary right now, and there's no reason to have shame. The other thing you can do, you can help your parents do a lot of different things if you're living with, with them right now. You can do the grocery shopping for them. You can clean the yard. 
You can take out the trash. You can watch the game with your dad. Uh, you give dad someone to talk to besides mom. You might even get mom and dad to go back to school with you. Uh, and we all know that mom never, ever wanted you to leave in the first place. And then finally, the re main reason why you should move back into your parents' home is because who else are you going to move in with? Are you going to move in with that ex that did you dirty? She cheated on you. She was bad to you. Mom's house is a safe place. Go to mom with no shame. 45-second challenge from Ryan. All right. Well, first, I'm going to say I have been quarantining for the last uh, couple of weeks with my family. It's not very fun. It might be something that maybe like you shouldn't be ashamed of. And that's great. Like no one needs to be ashamed of anything. Like, yeah, the world is ending as I've been saying, but I think you're not really thinking about the fact that like, there's a reason you left in the first place, you know, like, yes, they're wonderful. And everyone loves their family. If their family's, you know, good and nice, but at the same time, it's really annoying and you don't have any privacy. And then you start to think like, maybe it was a mistake to quarantine with these people. Maybe I'd be better off on my own, just getting the coronavirus on the street or something. I'm just saying hypothetically, of course. But I don't think you're really thinking about the actual day-to-day -day agony of being surrounded by your family. It's a lot. Alexandra, your 45 second challenge. I absolutely agree. I think maybe as a sacrifice for society, you can argue that we ought to be sent back to our parents' homes to try to keep them from their continual misapplication of the term social distancing. I honestly think mine will say things like, we had a socially distanced party. And I'm like, that doesn't sound socially distanced. I think they just use the adjective to reassure us. I think maybe having someone like us millennials in the house, they're watching them with our gimlet eyes to keep them out of trouble could save lives. That being said, is it a sacrifice we should ask millennials to make? And frankly, I don't think it is. I can't think of anything more stressful than having to recuperate at mom's house. Why are you inflicting this on us? I agree that there shouldn't be any shame in it, but neither is there any joy. Plus, speaking of getting your news from YouTube, imagine all the content Facebook news you have to debunk. It's just not worth it. Now, automatic, you get 45 seconds to respond to your challengers. If I'm in the house, I can control the situation. If my parents don't want to wear masks, I can control that. If my mom wants to watch YouTube all day and constantly misinform herself, I can be there and let her know that this is all BS that's made up by some college kid who had nothing better to do with this time, or maybe even a terrorist. The other thing I'm going to do is... Uh, I heard you guys talk about privacy. You know, you're going to be able to get back to your normal life eventually once you recoup, regroup, and rethink your situation. COVID's not going to happen forever. So use this time to, to, you know, embrace your parents. It might be the last time that you get to spend a significant amount of time with them day in and day out. So the only thing I can say is love your parents and love the situation that you, you're in. Sam, points negative 20 to 20 for each of them. Okay, so for automatic, like that's not normally the argument that I would make wanting to move back in with my parents. I do love them very much, but I also love living alone. And the idea of doing chores doesn't necessarily appeal to me. However, you did make a lot of great points and the idea that you can control the situation. I don't know if my mom would listen to me, but thankfully she is very avid mask wear. So I think like you made a lot of good points of really arguing with everything and putting everything together. So I'm going to give you an 18 on this. And uh, Alexander and Ryan both make great points too. Is the idea of you know, whether it be privacy, whether it be you know there there's a little bit of you know issues with living and moving back at home. And I just know me as a single guy would not work very well with uh, women if I were living at home during uh, the time of COVID or not. So I but I'm going to give them both a 17 on this one as well. All right. Well, who will win? 
Well, it comes down to one final fight. This is Master Debaters from KTSA. From 550 KTSA and FM 1071, this is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. Yeah, and that argument, it's going to end. It's going to end right now. It's a battle this week between Alexander Petrine, DJ Automatic, and Ryan Broderick to convince our Judge Sam that their argument is, in fact, the one, the best argument. But now it comes down to the final fight. Closing arguments on Master Debaters. This is where it all gets decided in a five-minute melee. I'm going to give a topic, and our three contestants will hash it out amongst themselves for five whole minutes. No more. No less. At the end, at the sound of the final buzzer, our judge will give each combatant up to 100 points or could take away up to 100 points. The person with the fewest points will get a 15-second head start. Everyone else can join in after the bell has rung. So right now, the person with the fewest points is DJ Automatic. So the topic. This change slogan is eat fresh, but a court says it's more sugar than fresh. Ireland's Supreme Court has ruled that bread sold by the fast food chain Subway contains so much sugar that it cannot be legally defined as bread. The ruling came in a tax dispute brought by Brookfinders Limited, an Irish Subway franchisee. A panel of judges says the bread has so much sugar it cannot be labeled as a staple food, which is not taxed. It comes years after a food blogger found that one of the brand's ingredients was one found in yoga mats. Matt Piper, CBS News. So the question the three of you must consider for the next five minutes, the whole five-minute period, when does bread stop being bread? bread. Automatic, you're going to get a 15-second head start, which starts now. I think that the minute bread stops being bread is the second you find out that there's yoga mat inside your bread. The other time it, it stops being bread is when you find out that your bread has more sugar than maybe a cup of, uh, or bowl of cereal has. Uh, another reason why uh, bread will stop becoming bread is when you can use it as a weapon. <laughs> another, <laughs> uh, another way, way that uh, bread stops becoming bread is when it's not edible anymore, and that's pretty much what Subway is. And is... Can we jump in now? Mm -hmm. Can we just talk? Oh, we can? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, no. Subway is absolutely disgusting. Oh, fun fact about Subway bread. It smells the same in every country I've ever encountered a Subway, including, like, India and Brazil. I've, like, turned a corner and smelled the Subway smell, and it is the Subway bread. It's the disgusting, like, sugar yeast they have in it. It's awful. So my my daughter actually gags at the smell of Subway bread every single time we pass a Subway. She can, There's no Subway that is ever allowed in our home just purely based on the smell of the bread. I think that's that makes sense to me because I can't think of any fast food restaurant where the number of them there are and how excited you are to see one of them is more of like a straight line, that graph. <laughs> like, honestly, there's millions of them and i'm never like like what's sad about just subway is they had that you know jared and he went out in flames and that isn't even the thing that turned most people off about them like the food alone was enough to do that and i think that speaks volume to the quality of the sandwich that being said i did used to like them but i think that the second that you get a subway sandwich that that's the second it stops being bread you're you're right there automatic that's the moment when you lose the bread identification and become something different 
Yeah, I mean, there, there is this experience at Subway. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, been stoned at a Subway, but being able to just put tons and tons of food on the sandwich is an incredible experience. But once you get the sandwich, you realize that it's disgusting and kind of tastes like you're eating a diaper. I want to take focus- it back. I want to take it back to Jared. Bread stopped being bread when we found out that that guy was a living, walking, talking POS. That he was literally the scum of the earth. And people still decided to go back to Subway. That's when bread stopped being bread at Subway. How could anybody even fathom going to support a company that had a guy like that on their payroll for, I mean, it had to be at least a decade. Did they not do a background check on this guy? Did they not have any kind of, like, I mean, they put, they based their brand on a man who did a lot of very, very bad things. Going back to judging the sandwich by the sandwich, though, I feel like you can tell the Subway sandwiches are bad because they advertise them by how long they are. That tells you yeah. nothing about the the quality of the sandwich. It's like, here are the dimensions of the sandwich. It's a foot. Great. Is, is it going to be bread? Absolutely not. We have no way of knowing that. It's yeah. maybe Yogamat and maybe also complicity. No one is emotionally feeling good when they're eating at Subway. No one is in a good place when they're biting into their $5 footlong. And uh, you make a great point about advertising the quantity of the bread and not the quality of the bread. Also, has anyone ever successfully gone up to the counter of a Subway and started ordering their sandwich while remembering you have to say the type of bread you want first? I've never been able to do it. And they always <laughs> yell at me. It's a ridiculous system. Let and me tell you, I if you think- themselves as not a restaurant, like the name of the restaurant is Subway. They're not even proud of their product. It's like, they're trying to steer you astray. You know what? Another time bread isn't bread is when they serve that disgusting. I think it's a flat bread that they have there. It's like this weird orange yellow mm. like yeah. color. That, and I made the mistake of putting chicken on that one time, and I was also stoned. Uh, <laughs> and let me tell you, that was one of the worst mistakes I had because it it got even worse twenty four hours later. They scoop meat with ice cream scoopers. <laughs> Like, this is the level of, like, insanity that's being allowed to take place inside of a subway. It is, subway, it's like reality deflates when you're in there. It's like something has gone wrong in the simulation, and, like, you're like, how did I get to this point? This is all broken. On the other side of the sneeze guard, it's a whole new world. It's like a different mirror universe. Yeah, it's like the PlayStation graphics are clipping of reality. It's like, what is happening here? And everyone there acts like they're haunted. Do you know how they could fix the Subway bread? How they could make it actual bread? They could take those cookies and make Subway cookie oh. bread. That's the Yo. only way that they could recoup. That's the I'm only glad you brought happen. that up. I'm yeah, really glad. What on this subject? Their the, cookies are very good. Their cookies are amazing. They're probably the best cookies in the game when it comes to fast food, by far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can all agree on that. Yeah, those cookies are bomb. <laughs> So let me ask you guys a question. Do you consider like tortillas to be bread? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What uh, about as, so- as someone who grew up in the Southwest? No, I do not uh, mm. consider tortillas bread. Okay. What about cake? Is it would you consider it to be you know a, a bread product or bread or is that something different? Yeah, uh, I feel like it's something different. Okay. Different than bread? What do you think cake is? I feel like. It's a dessert. I mean, there are dessert breads, but I don't think that cake is a, you know, I don't think cake is a bread. I think cake is a cake. I feel like people always get mad when you're like, actually, Marie Antoinette said it was brioche, which is a type of bread and not cake. They're like, there's a correlation between bread and cake. So I don't know. All right, yeah. Sam. Uh, what what do you think about that argument? How many points do you want to give out? You could 
give up to 100 points, you could take away 100 points from everyone. Oh, boy. It's, uh, it's almost embarrassing to admit that I am a Subway fan. <laughs> um, and there were a lot of, but however, I understand a lot of the anti-arguments to it. Um, you know, the, the big one being, I, I know automatic really definitely harped on it with the anti Jared, like Jared being like, you know, this guy was the face of that company for years. And then obviously we, we don't want to be, be any part of that. However, they have redeemed themselves by having the greatest uh, football coach of all time. Now as one of the faces of their new advertisements and being a Patriots fan myself, I, I love Bill Belichick being in their ads. However, uh, you know, I really thought that was a really great argument, though, as far as everything that you were putting towards it, as well as admitting that the cookies are absolutely delicious. So, Automatic, I want to give you a 72 out of 100 uh, on this argument. Uh, Ryan, you really put a lot of good stuff in. However, I do want to say that I have always remembered to order the bread first before saying anything else. So, I am one of those people that actually has remembered it, but I did chuckle uh, thinking about the ice cream scooper. Um, for the meat because far too many times I've looked at them scooping that that tuna out of the uh, scooper and just been like even I thought that's absolutely disgusting so I'm going to go ahead and give you a 68 on that can you give me can you give me one more point wait can you give me one more point (laughs) no (laughs) oh man Okay. I, I I thought about it. I thought about it. I'm not going to lie. No, I get this it. Is, you I know, get family it. podcast, I'm assuming. We're going to keep things uh, PG. Uh, okay. And Alexandra, I, I, I could hear you chiming on a number of things. I didn't hear as much as I, I could have, but I'm going to still give you a 68 on this argument because I agree with a lot of your points when you were speaking. When you were speaking. Hmm. Can I get an extra point? <laughs> or... hmm. Why don't we give everybody an extra point? We'll go 73 and 269. Yes! Nice. 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 Doing some math here. So after minutes, after minutes, mere minutes, very short minutes of heated discussion about the most controversial topics in the land right now, the time has come to name this week's master debater. We have a tie for second and third place. Ryan and Alexandra are each tied with 172 and a half points. I did not include the extra bonus point at the end. I already started playing the music and I didn't hear how many points were actually given out. So 172 and a half points for second and third place, a tie between Ryan and Alexandra, which means first place, our master debater with 175 points. Is DJ Automatic. Congratulations, you get 60 seconds to celebrate being a master debater, which starts now. I literally feel like the smartest DJ on the planet, which doesn't say much when you, the first people I think of are Steve Aoki, Diplo, and Martin Garrett. Uh, I also want to thank my, uh, contestant, my, my fellow contestants today because I, I promise you I'm probably not as well college educated as you guys are, but I felt like you guys were nice to me today and, and, and probably just let me win. So thank you to you guys. Thank you to, to Dennis for ha- to, uh, hosting a great, great game show, uh, something I never thought I would do before, and I, I am honored to call myself a master debater. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you for thinking of me. And once again, other contestants, thank you guys for competing with me.
should have like another 10 seconds if you want to use it. Oh, uh, oh uh, yeah, I had a great time. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. All right, now, now time's up. Now time's up. That's it. <laughs> a big thank you this week to our three contestants, Washington Post columnist Alexandra Petri, DJ Automatic from the Dana Cortez Show, and freelance journalist Ryan Broderick, and also a big thanks to our judge, Sam, from Dallas. Um, thanks, Sam. Mas thanks, Sam. Master Debaters is a production of XS Studios in KTSA San Antonio. Learn more about Master Debaters online at ktsa.com slash masterdebaters or at kts at xcsfm.com. I'm Dennis Foley. This has been Master Debaters. It's the show where the best argument wins. San Antonio's home for news and talk. On air, online, and on demand. 550 KTSA and FM 1071.